Another week, another edition of the Pat Richter Show here on ESPN Madison. How you doing, everybody? Alex Strofe hanging out with the legend, former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter here the first edition of the new year. Pat, how you been? It's been a few weeks. Hey, guys, it's been a long time. Alex, good to hear from your voice. I understand a lot of things are happening around the office and things like that, so uh, we're ready to go. Looks forward to it. Me as well. Lots to cover today, Pat. Lots of catching up to do, I believe, is the term you used right before we, yeah. we pressed record. Uh, plenty has happened. We've had a national champion crowned in college football. Uh, we're in the midst of the NFL playoffs uh, with Green Bay getting ready to play their first game this Saturday. And, well, uh, a top 10 team in the nation resides in the very city that I'm sitting in here in Madison as the Wisconsin Badgers men's basketball team been on an absolute tear. So we'll dive into all that and more upcoming here on the Pat Richter show. But Pat, I do want to start with the NFL playoffs because it uh it it has been an interesting time obviously everybody uh in this area at least getting into their Packers craze as we get ready for their first game this Saturday as they'll play host the San Francisco 49ers obviously a, a recent rivalry between these two teams but Overall, Pat, we see the expansion of the regular season is where I want to start uh, to 18 weeks, as well as uh, this being the second year with seven teams from each conference making the playoffs. And uh, we might have seen a negative side effect from that, I think, in uh, the opening what they call Super Wild Card Weekend, where it was really anything but super. Uh, what's your takeaway from the recent expansions going on in the NFL? And uh, you know, now that we're uh, two years through the Super Wild Card Weekend. Are there any takeaways from you? Well, I think the main thing is in these championship games, uh, we always think, boy, these are going to really be tight to get two very close uh, teams, and and uh, they're in a big game, and it's uh, it's going to be something that's going to be a heck of a contest. And uh, and many times, and even in the Super Bowl, uh, things get away from them. Uh, things get people get off to a quick start. You know, people do things that they normally don't do. I mean kind of reference uh, Kyler Murray. I mean, the play he made in the end zone, I mean, you don't see some of that in your little Pop Warner leagues, you know, mm-hmm. to throw the ball up in the air like that. And and so the pressures are different. And sometimes when everybody thinks that there's these teams are equal and somebody jumps out quick, there's a negative mental effect on it. And it's, sometimes it's hard to get it back. And so I think that that happens a lot, and and so it's, it's home field advantage, which obviously is something the team jumps out to a couple touchdown lead, and and it kind of blows that out of the water, and you got to get it back, and then it's then it's tough because now you are playing somebody that's on an equal, and it's very difficult to get a couple touchdowns in those games. They're not wild affairs; some of them are when you get the Steelers kind of outmatched, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's really it happens more than people like to think about it, and so. I was perfectly uh, honest with you. I was kind of hoping that uh, that we would end up playing the Rams right off the bat and uh, let the 49ers go to see the play the Buccaneers. But that wasn't the cards on the table. And so I think it is what it is. You have to go through everybody anyway. And uh, in this game, we should be very healthy. And so, But I think that the, uh, the length of the season didn't really show too much of just uh, – narrows it down in terms of who gets the uh, the buy, and only one team gets the buy, and so you really are got something to shoot for. Otherwise, you're going to test your season out to maybe what would it be, 20 games? I guess it is if you go right. all the way to the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but but 
us as Packers fans, Pat, we've been lucky. Both years, there's only been uh, one seed from each conference. The Packers have been that number one seed the last two years. So we've been lucky to have that extra rest. But but you mentioned it, right? The Packers getting healthy at the right time. Seems as if Jair Alexander, cornerback, left tackle David Bakhtiari, wide receiver Randall Cobb, uh, and a potential of a couple others returning at the right time. And obviously, you've, you've got a lot of experience in the game of football, Pat, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's not every year you see a team getting healthy at the right time, which should absolutely play to the Packers' advantage here starting with this Saturday's game. Yeah, and I think it's it's a little different than it used to be with the uh, way that the training camps have worked out and out of season training and things like this. It's not as intense. It's not as uh, big of a gap in terms of uh, when somebody's you know working out things like this, and you're expected to be in more of top condition than you possibly can be with the way that they are now. And so, somebody being off a little while, maybe he doesn't have a big enough a big gap in terms of trying to come back. And sometimes that uh, takes a while. It takes a quarter of a play or something like that. I mean, these guys, some of these guys have been off for a long time, you know, six, eight weeks, maybe more. Right. And, uh, and so it, it is going to be, that's going to be a real key. And so I think that the, the fact that there's, uh, you know, at the end of the season, there's something to be said for having a fresh body. And uh, many of the guys are like that. But quite honestly, we've been playing pretty well, and so you don't want to do something that's going to disturb that uh, that uh, that momentum, that camaraderie, that team spirit. But uh, certainly, the guys are it's going to make it a little bit tougher on them, a little bit more pressure on them to play to the top of their game, which is good. Yeah, you bring up a really interesting point there, Pat. I mean, I feel like everybody, and as fans, this is normal. But you know, we're so excited to see all these star players coming back at the right time. But you got to mention the layoff, right? Like for a guy like Jair Alexander, he hasn't played in almost four months. So is there is there concern to maybe throwing off what you mentioned that chemistry after not playing for a while, or should we just view this as a, as a total positive to get some of these star players back at the right time? Well, it's going to be a little closer uh, matchup, I think, in terms of, say, Alexander's been out three or four months or whatever it is uh, for a long period of time, and the guys that take his place are been playing right along, and they're in very good shape. Right. They're highly conditioned. And so, you know, the, the gap between his physical ability when he's 100% and the substitute to who's going to take his place at 100% is, is, not, is going to be a little bit greater there. The fact that he comes back and he's going to figure, well, maybe he's going to be – 75, 80%, how is he going to protect his shoulder? How is that going to work out? It's probably a little closer. And so I think that uh, they're going to watch that probably pretty closely in terms of uh, whether or not just to stick with him the whole time or if they throw him in or spot him and work him in gradually. That's the luxury they have. But certainly, you you know, there could be no tomorrow. So you've got to make sure that you get the best players at the particular time. And that may be, you know, the guys that took his place for a while. It may be better... Not necessarily if you, if, if you had them you know, equally, equally uh, uh, on, on the same terms, but when the fact is, is that somebody's not playing very much and uh, they're not going to be the same as the other person is. So it's, it's going to be uh, pretty tricky. Yeah, it will be. This is the Pat Richter Show here on ESPN Madison and Wisconsin On Demand. Alex Strofe alongside former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter talking Green Bay Packers playoffs. And you mentioned it's going to be tricky, Pat, right? And you said earlier you'd rather see the Rams this week as a Packers fan than the 49ers. A lot of people talking about the matchups 
that Kyle Shanahan and company presents. Certainly uh, going to be challenging for Green Bay. I, I assume you expect Green Bay will win, but it might be a little bit tougher than some anticipate. Well, I think it'll be real tough. I think come on some of the unknowns. I haven't seen too much information on Bosa, whether he's uh, going to be ready and what his condition will be. I mean, he got his neck snapped back pretty good in that game when he got hit uh, kind of on the ground. And uh, so that may be a little bit of a problem some. I think that certainly Aaron Donald, you know, matching up with Bosa is kind of a, you know, probably if you had your druthers, you'd probably take Bosa maybe, certainly because he's going to be playing most times against Bakhtiari, and sure. Bakhtiari seemed to do well coming back. And uh, so I, but I, you got Matthew Stafford. I still think he's got some question marks. You know, the 49ers got Kittle, and uh, and they've had a pretty good run at us, so so to speak. And uh, the other fact is, the temperature is is not as dramatic maybe in Northern California as it is in Southern California. Some of those nasty days in in San Francisco can be awful brisk and yeah. cool and things like that. So uh, it's probably a horse apiece, but uh, I think the fact is. Garoppolo showed that he's human. He throws the ball up for grabs every now and then. And so uh, I think if we get the pressure in the way that they're playing now, you know, there just can't be any let-up. Not, not there would be a let-up, but, I mean, a lessening of the intensity of the game is going to have to be right up, right in front of everybody's face in terms of the defense and what's expected of them. I think you can't expect they're going to you know, get 40 points thrown at the 49ers, things like that. But... Uh, more you can do on the defense, the better off you're going to be on the offense because you don't want to necessarily have to open up the whole playbook and try everything you got, but you will if you get in a tight game. Yeah, let me throw my favorite useless stat that I've learned this week at you, Pat, and you can uh, you can either come back uh, and tell me it's useless or maybe it is worth noting. But Jimmy Garoppolo has never played an NFL game under 40 degrees he's actually had taken three snaps under 40 degrees but those were all when he was in new new england as tom brady's backup for kneel down so uh he played college at eastern illinois so he's played in the cold weather but it's been a while i mean do we make anything of that or do we just uh, throw it in the trash call it a useless fun fact i think the, i think it's a it's a good fact and i think that uh it kind of gives you a little bit of a of an idea what it's like is that what you see when they Come out and warm up. I mean, a lot of guys will wear under sleeves and things like this, and long sleeve shirts and and everything else. I remember Wisconsin when they played Miami in the bowl game, and the Miami guys came out and they all had long sleeves on. And I said, "Well, that's, there's a, there's the first positive thing we've got right here, because they're thinking about the cold weather." And and I guess I don't know what's going to be in the teens or so, and which is not brutally cold. The wind could be a real factor, but. Just the disruption, you know, flying in, going to the hotel, a little bit of snow on the ground, stuff like that. All those mm-hmm. things kind of you know, stick in your mind a little bit and uh, just kind of throw it off. And so uh, I think that the uh, Garoppolo has probably had a lot of practice time in New England and things like this, but I'm sure he's mellowed over the years and uh, his body has gotten a little more temperate. And uh, but like I say, it's the whole package. you got to got to find a winter coat you got to take in, in the Green Bay and then be team te- maybe the wind chill it's going to be at night Packers home team and uh, so it, all those things are going to f- into, into play and it's you know to overcome that is a chance to go to a Super Bowl and so you got to yeah. crack all those things together and hopefully they'll come out uh, and, and play hard but I think that's probably why you 
you probably in this situation, you probably got a couple extra points thrown at the Packers on the spread just because of the fact that they they're used to it practicing its its home field there and sleeping in their own beds and things like this, and so it's much more accommodating to them when having come across halfway across the country, you know, like San Francisco has to do. Definitely, and great points made there. Uh, let me ask you this, Pat, in, in terms for San Francisco, is there a way to simulate uh, like the cold weather and the snow, especially for a team that's in Northern California, or is that something you can't really replicate? Well, the only way you could do it would be to say, well, we're going to go and use the uh, Chicago Bears practice facility <laughs> or something like that, or the Vikings and go outdoors. And I don't think you want to do that. Usually it's reverse when you're going to a warm weather climate. You try to adapt to a climate like that. This one is probably the situation. They'll probably do it a kind of as little time as possible on the ground in Green Bay. And that's uh, and that throws it off a little bit as well. And normally you come in and Everything's kind of relaxing, but you don't want to spend too much time on the ground with the cold weather thinking about it, and that's that's something a coach is going to have to deal with, and no question about it, it's it's, a, it's part of the package. Sure thing. So Packers 49ers Saturday at 7:15. The other games, Pat, this weekend: Bengals at Titans Saturday afternoon, Rams at Buccaneers Sunday afternoon, and Sunday night the final game of the weekend: Bills at Chiefs, which uh, many are calling the AFC Championship game in the divisional round. Uh, any of those games catch your attention? Well, there's some good ones. I think certainly the last one you mentioned with the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. I think with Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen, there's going to be something we're going to be seeing for a long time, and certainly that's going to be a really exciting game. I think certainly the the, the Bucks and the, the the Rams is going to be a good one, especially the kind of the uh, the way that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has kind of come on a little bit. He he likes to play in those kinds of games, and uh, but I would expect that they're going to get rid of the ball out of Brady's hands real quick because they don't want to deal with anything about Aaron Donald, and so. Uh, Tom is, uh, is is kind of just a guy when he gets that kind of pressure, and every quarterback's like that. But he doesn't like to hit. I think he's gotten spoiled over the years with uh, New England, and and now here at the Buccaneers is keeping people off him. The system is kind of set up for getting rid of the ball quickly, and he knows where to go with it. That makes it even more difficult to defense. But uh, that's those are two games that I think are really, actually all of them are pretty good games, especially with. Even with the Bengals, with the quarterbacks, and and, uh, and, and Burrow against uh, the Titans, Mike Vrabel, former Ohio State uh, player, and ex- done an excellent job. And they, they've hoping uh, they'll probably get, try to get uh, the running game going. And and that's the other thing about it in the Packers game as well: game going and uh, hit them hard and things like this, and keep them on the field. It's going to be very important. Great points, and yes, you're absolutely correct. Seems like the entire slate this weekend, really good games, which is uh, which is a big thumbs up considering, like we mentioned earlier last week and didn't always provide. But we're to that fun point, Pat, where it seems like every team belongs here. And uh, that might be an overused cliche when it comes to the NFL player, but it's, it's certainly true this year when you look at teams like Cincinnati or Buffalo that had to play in that wild card weekend and uh, were able to escape with a win and now get set up in some really fun games over there in the AFC. So uh, looking forward to all of them as well this weekend. Want to change gears now. Want to flip over to the national championship game at the college football level, Pat, which happened about a week and a half ago now as Georgia wins their first national championship in four decades uh, beating Alabama in the national championship. 
Uh, what'd you take away from from this year's national championship game, Pat? Obviously, got to be happy for Georgia uh, getting that that first national title in, in quite some time. Yeah, they worked very hard at it. Kirby Smart, you, you can't uh, you can't uh, come close to his enthusiasm. I've never seen a guy. In fact, I, the vertical jump he made on the sidelines is, is impressive. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if I see anybody jump that high, and so. But they they've got the athletes. They've got the um, the power and and the quarterback wasn't uh, wasn't anything special up to that point in time. But he was a gamer. He he knew he, were, he was expected to be there. He had an all out of adversity in the background and and but they've got a very good defensive line and put a pressure and and the uh, Alabama quarterback finally uh, came down to earth a little bit and uh, made it a little bit more difficult for him and so. Uh, the thing that really stuck out in my mind is ju- just looking at watching the Alabama team, and the I don't know they're almost like clones. They whether it's defensive backs, whether it's receivers or whatever, they all look to be like about six three, one ninety five, two hundred pounds. Can run like a deer. Uh, they're nasty, and, they, and that's the other thing about they got a temperament that just won't quit, and so. Uh, but the, the team itself is just built on, on speed and quickness and, and toughness. And uh, it just seems like that every kid that they recruit is in a kind of a similar mold. And I think uh, Georgia is much the same. They're just uh, maybe a little bit heavier, a little bit built, a little bit thicker. And, but they run the ball pretty well. And, and they matched up in terms of uh, toughness with Alabama. So. I think not only just mental toughness, but just physical toughness is really what these teams showed. And it was a, it was a tough game. It was it was a kind of game that you should have uh, expect for a championship game. And it uh, came down to the, the couple of mistakes here and there, and all of a sudden uh, flip it around. And and sometimes, like I say, when Alabama's not been behind the, that late in the game. And they're they're not used to that, and sometimes that's very difficult to overcome. And uh, but they made a good game of it, and uh, a couple of mistakes here and there. When come crunch time, when you don't you don't have time to overcome those things, you know, really cause you to just uh, not win the game. But you couldn't uh, find a a better game, and certainly it's very difficult to beat a team after you've beaten them in the playoffs and the, for the conference and things like that. And it's not easy to do it again. And uh, you know, mentally, it's it's you're sticking it there. Of course, they had some big injuries with receivers at Alabama, but uh, they just seem to open up another can. And there's some more waiting. The same guys, six three, one ninety five, mm-hmm. can run uh, like a deer, and they're all just ready to get on the field. And so, uh, I think it was one of the better, more entertaining playoff games or championship games that we've seen. And uh, maybe just as a precursor of what to come, I don't know if anybody could say, well, this, this game was such that uh, we definitely should have a bigger, wider dispersion of teams, eight teams or 16 or whatever yeah. the heck it is. Personally, I just think it, you're, you're gonna come, you can come down to the final two and then you're nine times out of ten you've got to hit it right. And uh, they're going to open this up and, and it's, and it's going to be a situation. Somebody's going to upset somebody and then, Face to face, the next week is going to be a blowout. So, I don't. I don't think there's anything that uh, is compelling about expanding the playoffs. And it sounds like they're running into some difficulty too in getting a, everybody on the same page. 
Very interesting. I was going to ask about the, the potential of expansion, but I think this year again proves that probably isn't the right move, right? I mean, you're seeing blowouts in the semifinal games just about every year, so expansion doesn't make a ton of sense to me in terms of competitive play, if that's what you're going for. I understand the dollar si- sign side of it, I guess, but uh, if you're not going to have any competitive games, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, Pat, and, and so I completely yeah. agree with you. Uh, on that side of things but we will see i mean it's a topic that's been talked about ever since the inception of the college football playoff right about, what, what about uh, eight years ago now i think it was so yeah. um, i mean you hit it right on the head i mean it's, it's a money thing and uh and i think that they've really got some other issues to talk about in terms of uh uh numbers of games and things like this and it's all changed in terms of it brings in a lot of things you know whether it's nil uh, name image likeness whether it has to do with national labor relations in terms of work conditions. I mean, the, these things are all going to be hitting the, the, the headlines in the not-too-distant future just because of the way the person on the National Labor Relations Board uh, chair is talking about it in terms of not using the word student-athlete, you know, because that is not misnomer. And it's really athletes playing for the institution, the, the definition, and for money and and so all those things come into play, and, and I think the more you expand it, the more you open yourself up for a lot of these collateral things. And uh, and yet, to me, I don't think anybody's proven that in a, in a you know chips all all down all in the middle of the table game like we saw with Georgia. I don't know that you could have found two other teams that would have been a similarly yeah. uh, similar status in terms of the way that they play the game. I mean, those guys really were in a different uh, league by themselves, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree, right? I think all season it looked like Georgia was probably the best team in the country, and Alabama's always in the conversation. Uh, so I want to talk about the SEC versus Big Ten here in a second, Pat, but I, but I want to continue on kind of the, the uh, NLI and, and all the money that goes into this. We, we completed the college football season now, obviously, and that's the first we've had with the, the NLI. We have saw... A lot of players, I think more than ever, enter the transfer portal. And, you know, there's there's conversation around, uh, quote-unquote, an open market now. Uh, what's your takeaway through one full college football season? Obviously, that's the, the biggest moneymaker for the NCAA uh, with the NLI involved. Was it was it a success, would you call it? What, are there still many questions that need to be answered? What, what's your view on everything that went into the first season with NLI? Well, first you got to twist it around. Nil. I always do that, Pat. Name likeness and image is really difficult to say after you've been doing name, image, and likeness. So, well, I think that it's starting to rear its ugly head. I think it's some of these things are just way out of line. And who's going to who's going to monitor this? Who's going to legislate it? It may come down to the conferences. I think in some respects they're the closest ones in the switch. They're the ones that are most affected by it. And uh, but some of these things, you know, in terms of you know charities and things like this are getting involved. And and what does uh, the the charity charitable part have to do with this? And uh, they're doing it with teams. I, I can't recall the team specifically, but it was 100 and, 105 uh, team members that were part of this. And they, what they were doing is selecting a piece of artwork, and uh, and then putting it online to uh, to get people to bid on it and things like this. I mean, it, there's an awful lot of creativity when things like this happen. And, 
a lot of times creativity is not really what's necessary. And, and but when you hit it, when in terms of uh, the NIL, and then they start the transfer portal, and and, and uh, people taking trips to schools and things like this, probably the first thing out of the mouth say, well, what opportunities do I have with respect to NIL? Do you do you have something in place? Do I have an opportunity to to make fifty grand, a hundred grand? Obviously, they're in a negotiating position, and they're they've got the leverage, and so that's what it's going to come down to, and that's when it gets a little bit sticky. You know, if there's some out there that really people really are after, for example, if they had the Russell Wilson situation again, for example, and you could probably kind of just kind of just see what it was going to look like in a couple of years from now, just kind of project out and uh, what he would be worth, and every school he goes to is going to up the ante, and the ones that are, you know, the 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 haves are going to continue to to be the haves and the have-nots and begin the have-nots. And so unless somebody has a burning desire to be a big fish in a small pond, they're going to be a, try to get to be a big fish in a big pond. And and I think that, you know, Jack Cohn is a good example of that. And he uh, he probably earned himself at least a little look-see. Maybe, I don't know what about nil money, but the fact is, is that uh, I think he had kind of, worn out at Wisconsin a little bit and probably whether right or wrong he looked upon more negatively probably from the fan base and things like this and so there was no value there but I, uh, I'm i not sure what he would have got, what he got, got at Notre Dame but certainly he did himself some, some good things and so now you've got the kid from Oklahoma and they're going to be looking around and uh, and that will tell you an awful lot about it in terms of what are the questions that he's asking, is it going to be about nil? Is it going to be about the team? What 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 can, my what's my spot look like in your team? And what can I do to improve my lot in life, so to speak, in terms of where I'm coming from? But uh, it's really now starting to to take a hold a little bit. And I think I was even surprised to see that uh, the two one of the two coaches that. Uh, both coaches in the championship game, Saban and uh, Smart, mm-hmm. complained about the fact that you know, this nil was, you know, could be out of control and whatever. And you'd think that they were pretty much uh, on uh, on top of things. And But it just goes to show that money can make up for a lot of differences rather than coaching and success and things like this. There's another factor that, you know, money is kind of the equalizer all around. So you got to really pay attention but it's. I think the real, the real tough thing is going to be when how are you going to legislate this? And there's a lot of people who still think that it should come out of Congress and some of these things. And that's and the same thing with respect to National Labor Relations Board, thinking maybe that should be legislated in terms of well, employees and things like this. So it's going to be an awful lot of excitement off the off the field this year and next year's come. But uh, it's going to be something that's going to be dramatically affect the game. Chatting with former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter here on the Pat Richter Show, and that's great insight, Pat. Appreciate you diving into that a little bit. But I, I, I don't want you to project, but I, I am genuinely curious. What the heck does the future hold? Because as you mentioned, right, we're seeing the complaints roll in from high-profile individuals in the game of college football uh, surrounding you know, the transfer portal and, and the NIL uh, and everything going around in this. There's a lot of changes happening very fast, right? And... I don't know that we have necessarily figured out 
how it affects the game of college football yet. I think we've got a glimpse into that now through one year. But what what does the future hold? Are there going to are are some dramatic changes needed? Is there rules that need to be imposed? I mean, or do we not really know yet? Well, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think that uh, we don't really know yet how bad it can be. Sure. But there's going to be, I mean, if you, you used to get all excited about the fact that, like, what happened to Jim Trussell when they had the little trinkets and trash type of stuff and they could sell those things from a bowl game, and those are violations, and now all of a sudden you flip the switch, and it's really kind of Katie bar the door. And, uh, and you can see why the successful guys like Saban and Smart you know, don't really like this because uh, now I can bring that playing field a little bit more level. And where before you're saying, I want to play for the best coach around, boom, okay, Mick Saban, I want to bring for the success, okay, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, I, I, I want to be put myself in a good position to be drafted by having a big, a good competitive experience. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now uh, I want all of these things, but yeah, maybe money's going to be important. And the money can be just as large at uh, Louisville as it is in Alabama as it is in Connecticut, for example. And that's what kind of equivalizes things. And the guys that usually are pretty much in control of their destiny and everything in the the past, like Nick and and, uh, Kirby Smart, all of a sudden there's another factor that is really kind of out of their control. And so, uh, but I I think it's going to take a little bit of time but I think we're going to somebody's going to push the envelope just a little bit too far, and all of a sudden it'll it'll hit a ceiling, and then they'll start, it'll start to come back. But that's what's going to happen. There's going to have to be somebody, and I don't even know if the the NCAA has decided to take charge. They're looking into some things with nil, but uh, you know I don't have a great deal. Of, Confidence. I mean, they're so skittish, probably from getting lawsuits filed against them, that they're not going to go after much of anything. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, I'm sure that's a conversation we could have for several hours, Pat, because it really is uh, a fascinating topic and, and seeing how it's affecting uh, college football, particularly in this, in this sense, is, uh, has really been uh, interesting to watch kind of how it, how it unrolls. But uh, we'll see. We will see. One last quick thing uh, on college football, Pat, and uh, it's kind of a loaded question, so maybe it won't be super quick, but, but we see, obviously, the, the two teams in the national championship earlier this month. Alabama, George, I mentioned it earlier, SEC representatives, and that seemingly has been the case a lot. We'll have Texas and Oklahoma moving over to the SEC here in a few years. Uh, is there an imbalance of power in terms of uh, you know the, the top teams in college football uh, when it comes to the SEC? Do you, do you view it that way, or, or am I overreacting? No, no, I think you're on target. I think it's, that's exactly what's happened. And uh, and it's you know even this year when Michigan, you know, achieves things that people have been looking at it for five years and just in all hopes that they were going to get better and everybody was hoping it was going to happen, hoping they could beat Ohio State, get back to the Big Two, that kind of stuff. You know, Ohio State looked impressive later on, but uh, you know the fact that the Michigan is kind of up in the mix but didn't do well in the in the playoff games. And uh, in Cincinnati, the best of the, the other group, so to speak, is, is not up to the task as well. Uh, it kind of says that those guys, if, if they stay in the SEC whole time and we get Texas, Oklahoma, I think they'll find themselves, Texas, Oklahoma, are going to find themselves 
you know, having a difficult time playing against them all the time. And uh, this is Brett found a tough time at uh, Arkansas. And uh, so I think right now there's no question that the, at least the top cut of teams is is very uh, very much tilted towards the SEC. And I think that uh, the fact that the uh, Big Ten and I think the ACC are kind of in bed, so to speak, with the playoff system, kind of sticking to their guns about wanting to make sure that the champions gets a run at this is the fact that if the SEC gets Texas, Oklahoma, and gets a few other teams that play in the big league and they get to, get to play uh, the successful teams that have already been playing in the playoffs, then there's going to be more expansion. It's going to be the SEC going to have a disproportionate number of teams that are going to be in the playoffs. No doubt about it. All great insight from the great Pat Richter here on the Pat Richter Show on ESPN Madison and Wisconsin On Demand. We're rolling on. Now, one last topic I want to hit with you, Pat, and I know uh, you've probably been chomping at the bit to talk about this Wisconsin Badgers men's basketball. They have been just terrific, totally exceeding expectations that were laid down preseason. They've won their last seven in a row, including their last five in a row in Big Ten play, all here in the month of January. Uh, a notable win in there at number three at the time, Purdue, earlier this month on the third, as well as uh, beating Ohio State at home, which uh, Ohio State, the only team to beat Wisconsin so far this season in Big Ten play. So before we dive into what Johnny Davis has been able to do, Pat, I just want to talk about this as a whole, uh, winning, as I mentioned, seven in a row, currently tied for first place in the Big Ten. This wasn't the expectation coming into the season. We were hoping, you know, they'd be in the middle of the pack, you know, in the conversation to be a tournament team. But they're now in the conversation to be a one seed in the tournament, ranked number eight in the country and atop the Big Ten. It's been quite the season for Greg Gard's crew. Yeah, and I think even the people in the Big Ten uh, projected like a number ten and something like that, and uh, and now you see some of the post-game stuff with Andy Katz. I mean, Andy's the, he's on our PR department. Uh, he's got he's got Johnny Davis Player of the Year. He had three Player of the Year games: uh, Purdue, yeah. Houston, and uh, and uh, the the uh, Ohio State game. And uh, the fact is, is that the you know, he has just done a super job. And, and just as a kind of a, a little tangential thing that we talk about, you know, and I, uh, I was thinking about this fact that Tom Izzo has commented about the fact that NIL has really has kind of changed the whole student-athlete or the athlete uh, perspective because it's, uh, it's something like it's interjected something else of interest that takes over for, for basketball. And, and I think that maybe that, Wisconsin has uh, has been a little bit immune from that because they don't have other than Johnny Davis they don't have a lot of players that are likely or the fact that the team was expected to be uh, you know not as good as they've turned out to be that they've kind of played on their own and kind of with a chip on their shoulder a little bit and so I think that that's been a kind of a, a kind of a tan a tangent that's gone a little bit gone to their way because they've got a team that's really kind of within themselves, not thinking about individual laurels or monies or things like this. And I think that's very important. Greg's done a great job this year with respect to uh, putting the team together. I mean, they don't have a deep bench, and uh, you know they uh, just don't. But they're they're playing within themselves. They they play together. They're shooting well. 
Taylor Tyler Wall has uh, really improved his game. Davison gives great leadership, and uh, of course uh, Johnny Davis has been outstanding. And just uh, for somebody six five to play like he did, a good kind of picture of what this team is all about has happened after he got hit in the nose and. And as you said, it was just—it's just blood, and uh, and they—they—they they, they went right back to him. And Greg said that that they were going to get the ball to him because they knew he was fired up, and he went after the rebounds and went up a couple of times, and he he put it in there because he's that competitive. And so it's got a good mix, and they, and they're they're kind of counter to the the people that have got the uh, Wisconsin team all thinking that it was like Dick Bennett's, you know, slow downs. 50 points and things like this. I mean, we just we just go crazy with respect to points. I mean, uh, 90 points, 87, whatever, 76, and they, they keep thinking about it. And they're probably our best uh, best uh, help for the opponents because the opponents they keep talking to us on the radio and the television, saying, "Well, they're deliberate, the half court game, things like this." And believe me, with Johnny Davis in there, you're going as fast as you can possibly go, and you got to try to keep up. And so, that's been an advantage. But uh, hopefully, they've beaten some big teams on the road, which is very important. And they got to keep their home streak uh, alive. And uh, Illinois is kind of waiting out there. That'll be a big matchup with respect to Coburn and uh, Davis. And uh, we'll see where we live with that, because that's going to be a very important game for us. And uh, just in terms of seeing where we are, and this is not smoke and mirrors. This is really solid uh, basketball and played with a team that's got great emotion and leadership. I I, I want to touch on Johnny Davis because obviously he's been incredible. We we know that, right? I mean, that that is something we we can left unsaid. Uh, But it wasn't expected, right? Like to see an in-state recruit like Johnny Davis, obviously from lacrosse, come into UW, have a decent freshman campaign, and then do what he's done as a sophomore. It's just unprecedented. I've never really seen anything like it at the University of Wisconsin. There's been plenty of star power, right? I think back to just a couple of years ago when Frank Kaminsky won the National Player of the Year. And, and you can name guys like Devin Harris and, and Finley and, and all the legends that have come through here and been uh, great one-man bands to a, to a sense. Johnny Davis seems like he's outplaying all of these guys. Uh, I mean, it's it's just really insane what he's been able to do here in his sophomore campaign, Pat. I've, I've never seen anything quite like it. Yeah, and he's playing at both ends of the court. I mean, that's just offense, but he's playing great defense. He steals are, are up with respect to what he's doing. He's a great rebounder, and he plays. I mean, I, I was just amazed when, I, when they said he was 6'5". I, I know last year watching him, I thought he was taller than maybe 6'7 or 8, but 6'5". Uh, he plays a lot bigger than that, but uh, I mean everything's intense. He sometimes he gets a little ahead of himself and turns the ball over once in a while or dribbles with it too much, but uh, it just fires him up for the next time he comes on the court to throw up a three and nail it. And so he's he's a person like Kaminsky. Kaminsky took a couple of years to kind of get better each year physically and whatever. Uh, Davis just made it in the summer jump with respect to the national team, the U.S. team, and it just shows how valuable that experience has been. I mean, uh, he's to be talked about already as a sophomore that he's in the talk for national player of the year and and uh, the other people in the Big Ten with Coburn and uh, was it a uh, kid from Iowa, I think, or Purdue. Uh, they got a chance as well. Yeah. But, I mean, they're all right in the Big Ten, and, and so... Uh, but to score them, the three 
tough games that he had that are just he says are, are player of the year type games, and nobody's going to doubt that. But uh, he's getting the best shot. I mean, he got beat up last uh, the last game. Uh, the referees kind of let things go a little bit crazy. It was crazy officiating, whatever. Mm-hmm. And but it just seems to fire him up, and he gets better when that happens. And and he got Davidson there, who's. Uh, He's always a thorn in somebody's side, and he's going to be playing at uh, the best level. But to get the uh, to do what they're doing this year, I mean, certainly Greg's probably got to be the coach of the year at this point in time. And uh, it's nice to see because they got a nice team, and they seem to really hang in there and like each other and uh, know each other's roles, and they feed off each other, and, and each has gotten better because of the way that they play together. Yeah, we talked about kind of the the differential in in college football earlier, right? It seems like the SEC is always on top. As a college basketball fan, and as a Badgers fan, of course, Pat, man, am I looking forward to the Big Ten tournament because this conference is so good this year. Currently five teams ranked in the top 25 and a couple others on the outside looking in that could certainly uh, put up some some wins uh, come March, so... Uh, this this basketball conference might be the best in the country this year, Pat. It's uh, it's really fun time to be both a college basketball, Big Ten college basketball, and, and Badger fan uh, when it comes to to the basketball side of things. Yeah, I mean you you get the game against Northwestern, and uh, you say, "Geez, I, I wouldn't want to meet them in the first round of the Big Ten tournament." <laughs> I mean they're playing tougher than heck, and so uh, Collins has done a good job with them. And, and same thing with Rutgers; will pick somebody off and once in a while. Penn State, you just never know. Uh, Illinois, you know what you got. Michigan, something's happened to them at this point in time. If they were finding out what's going on, it'll be tougher than the Dickens. And, and Michigan State will always be tough. And so we'll be interested to see how they how we play against them on Friday because we're kind of on a pretty good run. And uh, the fact that Michigan State got beat by Northwestern gives uh, people the pause to think that we should be winning this game. It's going to be tough. And, you know, Israel doesn't stay down very long. And so, uh, but you're right, the Big Ten uh, basketball-wise is as good as any country, uh, kind of conference in the country. And uh, and I think that they just soon play anybody, in, whether it's the ACC or not, and, uh, and come out in front. And they're they're playing physical, and they, but they've got some great shooters. And uh, and they've, they've been playing around the conferences around the Big Ten and uh, – national conferences and done very very well so they've uh, they've done a great job this year in the big ten no doubt about it a big one as you mentioned pat friday michigan state wisconsin at the Kohl center well i don't know what the result will be but i can tell you the Kohl center will be rocking as it has been for the most part of this year there's a lot of excitement here in madison behind this badgers basketball team and there always is but it seems this year it's it's more at the level of what it was back in you know 2014 2015 those those yep. final four teams so it's exciting to see all the excitement behind this uh, this badgers men's team and it's been a while since it's i feel like there's been this much hype behind them yep they're a lot of fun there'll be uh it's like say friday will be uh interesting game and uh but I think that the fans are going to be all cranked up, and so that should get a lot of big, big support for them. And uh, if they play the way that they're capable of playing, we'll win the game. No doubt about it. Pat, always appreciate the time. Great catching up with you. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Alex. That's the great Pat Richter here on the Pat Richter Show. That'll do it for us this week. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Pat Richter Show on ESPN Madison and Wisconsin On Demand.